Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. What Paul says is this. When you're going down the path of life, the enemy will come to spook you, to frighten you, to get you off the path of sharing the gospel. Don't be spooked. Don't be frightened. Get your senses and go on to the mission of sharing the gospel. That's powerful because the enemy is against us and he'll do whatever he can. Notice what he says, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. For many people, the idea of talking to someone, especially a friend about Jesus, brings feelings of terror. We worry about rejection, of not looking cool, of being thought of as a religious fanatic. Many of these things might happen. And Pastor Mark is teaching that we need to remember that there are worse things than what our imagination can conjure up. One is for our friends to go to a Christless grave. He is encouraging us to attack our fear be obedient to what Jesus told us to do. We need to love our friends and family enough to share the truth of the gospel with them. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 1 with part 3 of his message, Stand Firm and Stand United. In other words, Paul writes to the church, you know that life is not a playground. It's a battlefield. Understand this morning, Satan will do whatever he can do to keep the gospel from being preached. He'll do whatever he can do. And he loves to get churches sidelined. So they're doing all kinds of funky things. No, Paul says, I want you to be contending, striving, athletically, a team against this enemy so the gospel can be shared. Now, Jesus gave us the mission. Remember this, Luke 19, 10? For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. That's why we're here. Lost people matter to God. Every person matters to God. They don't think they have any worth, and their worth is for the world is all in themselves. So if they come from a terrible family, they have no education, they have no money, they have no skills, they, have no, they just have no self-worth at all. But God says, I want to give you worth. My son died for you, the whole world. So Jesus came to seek out sinners. And we are to be, notice what I just said to you here. We're fighting together for the faith. We're sharing the gospel. Let me challenge you with something quickly. When's the last time you shared the gospel? When's the last time... Outside of this building, you talked about Christ. You talked about salvation. People need to hear it. They don't know. Now, you're going to see that you and I are to be on mission. We are to be sharing when God opens the door. Well, Pastor Mark, God never opens the door. That's because you never pray to have God open a door. 
Remember the book, You Were Made for This? We're to expect God to open doors. As Linda and I were flying to Montana last Sunday after service, we used our miles and stuff to get up there. We had to take three flights. Melbourne, Atlanta, Minneapolis, Kalispell, Montana. We got over to Melbourne, plenty of time, sat down. Girl come on and says, I have a little announcement for you. Storm's gone through Atlanta, all Atlanta shut down. So we're two hours late leaving. Well, of course, you know what that does to your next connection. That's dead. And then the next plane that's supposed to go can't get in. So we don't know if we're ever going to get to Montana. We're going to be three days, just come right back to Melbourne and forget it. So I'm sitting there, we're in the lounge, and I said, I'm going to go talk to the gal at the desk. So I went up and talked to the gal on the desk. And uh, I said, I'm a silver medallion. <laughs> that's just the little guy in the totem pole because there's like gold and then... I don't know what, platinum or something. Those are the guys, when you get on the plane, first class here, they always go like this. The rest of us go back here and sit with the peons. That's, that's us. So I'm just trying to say, well, at least I'm a medallion. I fly 25,000 miles with you guys. Is there anything you can do for me? And she's looking, well, I'll give you the medallion line and whatever. And I said, and then I, I said this, uh, in October, I'm taking 50 people on Delta to Israel. I'm hoping they're like, oh, 50 people. He's in charge of 50 people. This month. And she says, to where? I said, to Israel. And she comes back to me and she says this, I'm a Messianic Jew. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I began sharing with her and we talked about Christ and how wonderful he was. And before I left there, I had first class the next day on the flight, guaranteed. I had a whole, man, Hallelujah. How that happened, that was all God. But see, you're looking for ways to just share. Who knows what's going to happen? Are you looking for ways to share Jesus Christ? We need to do that. We need to be sharing the gospel. Ask God to open your heart because we have to be on mission. Now, Paul then tells us why we have to fight Satan to keep on mission. Look at verse 28. Without being frightened, in other words, we need to share, we need to be in unity and be bold and fight as a team. Without being frightened in any way by those that oppose you. Paul says when we share the gospel, there's going to be opposition. Relax. Don't be frightened by it. Don't be discouraged by it. Don't be distracted by it. Just share the gospel. It's going to happen. Satan's against you. Look at the word frightened. And you have different words in your, in your different translations. But it all goes back to an original word. And here's the word. The word is a term that when a horse is walking down a path, it gets startled or spooked. And it gets sidetracked. It gets afraid. How interesting. I'm reading that this week. We're in Montana. Mike and Pam have a beautiful house. And she has horses. My wife likes horses. I'm okay. They're fine. Here's my wife. She's on a, So she got to go horseback riding twice with Pam and just wonderful thing. Well, as a loving husband who needs points, I, I got on a horse. Here I am. And the back is the horse and me. You can see both of us. My little helmet. The ears here, that's my wife. And we're doing a two-hour trail ride. That was worth a lot of points, guys. That was worth a lot. If you don't know what that means, you're too old anyways. Forget it. Now, 
Some of you are getting it as it comes along. As we're riding, the gal up front is the expert. And her, got a huge horse. They're riding, and this horse looks out the side of his eyes, and he sees this big stump. (laughs) Spooked him. Almost threw her off the horse. I'm thinking, if she goes, I'm dead meat behind here. (laughs) She got herself together and back on. What Paul says is this. When you're going down the path of life, the enemy will come to spook you, to frighten you, to get you off the path of sharing the gospel. Don't be spooked. Don't be frightened. Get your senses and go on to the mission of sharing the gospel. That's powerful. Because the enemy is against us. And he'll do whatever he can. Notice what he says. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Don't let the enemy spook you. Don't let the enemy scare you. Just be on mission. Now, how do I know the enemy's going to do that against me? Well, Jesus said in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Nothing's changed since the time of Paul and the time of Jesus. Our world is against the gospel. But Paul says, don't be fearful of those who oppose you. There is going to be spiritual warfare. Don't be surprised about it. Don't be frightened by it. We have the spiritual weapons, Ephesians 6, from God to defeat the enemy. God is for us. And who cares who's against us? So keep fighting together. See, if we're not fighting within each other, we can fight what we need to be fighting. That's Satan. And all of those forces that are out against us. Then Paul says this. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. This is very simple. It's a little complex when you read it, but here's what it means. When we are opposed and even attacked for our beliefs, what does that prove? It proves that Satan knows we're believers, so he's going to attack us. So when we're opposed and attacked, And you go out, and Satan comes against you, tries to bring all kinds of things against you. What does that simply mean? Notice, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. In other words, I'm a believer. Satan attacks me because I'm his enemy. So when you're a Christ follower, it proves that you're on the winning team. Now, notice the other part of this verse. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed. So when people oppose the gospel, individuals, it proves what team they're on. What team are they on? If you're against God, you're for Satan. There's only two teams. So if they don't change kingdoms, their destiny is already determined. They will absolutely be destroyed in a godless hell. So that's all it means. When we're sharing the gospel, if people are coming against us, we know what team they're on. We know what team we're on. We are on the winning team. They're on the losing team. That's why we have to keep sharing. Because we want those people to change Teens. Now we come to verse 29 and 30. Interesting verse. For some of us, we'd like to do away with verse 29. But since we study all the Bible and it's all inspired, we have to read it. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, Paul says, not only to believe in him, I like that part, but also to suffer for him. 
since you are going through the same struggle you saw that I had, and now hear that I, I still have. Paul says something in that verse that's a shock to our church today. Now, we know that God is for us, but this verse says that there's going to be spiritual attacks, there's going to be suffering arranged by God for me. I don't care for that. Let me ask you to write number three. Paul says, I want you to stand bold and fearless in persecution and suffering. Second Timothy says this, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, when I hear the word suffering, I don't like it. I'm sure you don't like it. In fact, most people do whatever it takes to avoid suffering. That's the kind of world we are. Let me give you an idea how that works. You, you've seen some of these commercials about losing weight. Well, we want to lose weight, but I don't want to suffer while I'm losing weight. They know that. So what do they put in there? You can eat anything you want. You don't have to exercise. That's foolish. And you'll lose 50 pounds. Now, I won't ask how many of you tried that at 150 bucks for that pill. But if you didn't reduce your eating by suffering, and you didn't do exercise by suffering, you ain't going to lose weight. All you did was suffer because you wasted 150 bucks. <laughs> Amen out there? A anybody out there? So we just simply want to avoid suffering. But I want you to write this statement. God says some things in life are worth pain and suffering. That's what he says to us. No, there, no, there's some things in life that are worth experiencing pain and suffering. Let me give you a couple, well, one main illustration. Ladies, how many remember this birthing process? Anybody? You remember it. Ladies, you definitely remember it. When I was a young pharmacist, I was in a hospital, and I was the only pharmacist. I, and I actually had to end up delivering two babies because the doctor was doing a C-section. I had to deliver the baby. You know, when I walked in that room and delivered that baby, I mean, that guy wasn't going, and I say, oh, no problem. Just deliver this thing, would you? Ah, whatever. And I'm, I'm delivering the baby because there was what? There was like pain. How many, member, how many remember the pain? Nine months of it. Nine months of it. Let me ask you a question. When the pain was over, was it worth it? It was worth it. It was absolutely worth it. You see, when you go to surgery, many of us have had surgery. Why do you go to surgery? Because you got insurance? No, you don't have a surgery because you have insurance. You go because you're hurting. And when they open you up or do whatever they do, does it hurt? Yes, it does. Does it harm? No, it doesn't. Was it worth it? Yes, it was. So, God's saying spiritually, physically, emotionally, in all ways of life, some things are worth the pain and suffering. Because in the end, good things happen. I don't have time, but let me give you a little homework. Just go back to Acts chapter 5 and read verses 40 through 42. Let me give you a quick summary. The apostles are sharing the gospel. They get arrested. They get beaten. And they go back to their 
group of people, and they simply say this, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they were counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. When I go to India and China, I never teach on suffering. That would be stupid for me to teach on suffering. They teach me about suffering because they live in it 24-7. But in this world, it's going to become a little more focused. We're actually, I believe, as a church, if you're a believer in that name, there's going to be persecution and suffering coming to the United States. And you're going to have to make up your mind now. You're either for him or against him. And you're going to have to be standing strong. Now, what does this suffering do? Look at Romans 5. What does this do in my life? Here's what it does. Romans 5, 3 through 4. We also rejoice in our suffering. Ouch. I rejoice. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Stick to it. Watch what happens next. And perseverance then produces in me a man, a woman of character. Well, what kind of character? Character of Jesus. Not my character, the character of Jesus. And when I'm through all of that, as I become that person that God wants, and I'm worth his death on the cross, it made me worthwhile, and I'm living worthwhile, then there's a hope. There's a hope to me. In other words, I know I'm not going through this process. Paul's sitting there in that prison. He knows there's a reason. It's producing in him patience. It's producing in him hope. And he knows it's going to happen. Now, Paul would write one more verse that you need to see today before we finish. 2 Corinthians 4.17. He says this, For our present troubles, they're small. And they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Some of you here, you're suffering right now. Maybe it's physical health. Maybe it's a marriage, a relationship, financial, spiritual. You're suffering. Paul says, life hurts. Expect it. Paul says, life hurts. Just do the right thing. You know, sometimes it really hurts to do the right thing. Because it brings more suffering. Just do the right thing. Paul says, life hurts because God uses it. It's like surgery to make me better. John 15 says, he'll prune us. It's like surgery. It hurts, but it never harms us. Because he's making us more like him. And then Paul says, well, yes, life hurts, but hope is on the way. I want you to know today that sometimes we need to suffer now, and the worth of that suffering will come later. As you look back, you can see that God used it for amazing things. We're all a work in progress. You remember Mike and Pam and making that piece of pottery. Sometimes God just has to crush it and start again. But he's making you and he's making me a vessel of honor. 
so that I'd be worthy to be called a Christ follower. My worth is not in me. It's not as a senior pastor. My worth is that Jesus Christ died for me. My privilege, my pleasure, is to try to be a servant for him and then endure whatever he allows into my life, knowing that it's for my good and not for my bad. So if you're going through one of those suffering periods right now, God's in it. His strength is there for you. Just allow him to do what he needs to do as he works through it. Now, for some of you today, your worth is in you. You've never become a Christ follower. So everything you have in life that has any value, it's all about you. My education, the people I know, where I'm going, my family name, the business, it's all about you. But Jesus warns us about that. And I want you to see this before we close. You see this in the book of Matthew. Jesus says this. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll find it. What does he mean? He means if you're going to live for you, and you think that's keeping everything for you, you being the boss, you having the value in all that you are, enjoy life. Because for sure, even before life ends, you're going to lose it all. You know how many people today, their value was in all the properties they owned. Their worth. What happened? Gone. For all of us, as we get older, you know, some of us, our value is in our face, the muscles, no wrinkles, chest is here. As you get older, does anything move? I'm talking about men and women. Don't give me that. It just goes. And then you used to be able to see your shoes. That moves too. And then we get sick. The world does that to us. We lose sight and hearing. and You can't have your worth in that stuff, guys. And Jesus goes on. And, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Watch this. Is anything worth more than your soul? No. Zero. Some of you need to lose your life for Christ's sake. You say, Pastor Mark, what does that mean? It simply means this. You come and say to God, you created me. You have a plan for me. My sin separates me from you. I want to ask you to forgive me of my sin. I want you to come and live in my life. I want to lose my life for your sake. And you come in, you equip me, you gift me, you strengthen me, you forgive me. And I want to make my life worthy of what your son did by dying on the cross for me. That's what you need to do. And see, then your own soul is saved. There's nothing more valuable to know that your soul is saved. That's for eternity. That's what God wants to do. Today, Pastor Mark taught about our need to overcome fear, fear of rejection, fear of failure, through faith in God and simple obedience. Hearing about the example of the apostles, we were reminded of our main purpose on earth, to tell others about Jesus' love for them. We need to let our concern for others' eternal destiny override any fears we might have. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. This concludes the teaching, Stand Firm and Stand United. Next time, Pastor Mark will begin the message, Gel and Flow Together, Everyone is Needed. He will continue the theme of unity in the body of Christ, focusing on our need to come alongside each other when we need help. We also will learn about putting aside our personal preferences for the sake of unity. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. May God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.